This is an NC Baptist resource. For more, visit ncbaptist.org. Welcome to the NC Baptist Podcast, the podcast designed to engage with ministry leaders around topics that will explore approaches and resources to help us be on mission together. It's because of your generosity that this resource is available. Learn more at ncbaptist.org slash give or contact us at communications at ncbaptist.org. All right, welcome back to the NC Baptist Podcast. Hopefully it is for you the home of great resources as we hear firsthand from real ministry leaders who are living out what it means to be on mission together in their communities. Todd Unzicker here, EDT with NC Baptist. And you know, throughout 2023, over 1,000 NC Baptists have been praying through our initiative called Praying for the Nations. It's a prayer guide which features unreached people groups uh, here in North Carolina, NC Baptist and Send NC church planners, along with NC Baptist missionaries who are serving the unreached people groups all around the world. And uh, today's guest and his family were one of the many church planners that were featured in the prayer guide. Today, uh, our guest is a great friend of mine. He was actually my first friend in North Carolina, uh, and he is the pastor of Mercy Hill Church in Greensboro. Andrew Hopper, welcome to the podcast, man. Man, super appreciative. Really excited to be here, Todd. I remember being in those prayer guides and having people from all over the state contact us, and it was a real encouragement back in the day. So excited to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you here. I would love to talk um, Georgia football with you. I know as a <laughs> no Florida way, Gator, man. you Come are on. excited about the two-time back-to-back national champions. Two-time. See, he went, a pastor two-time. went really quiet right there. Yeah, um, right. Andrew, listen, uh, let's get to what we are really here for, and that is we want to talk about sending, because you were sent out by the Summit Church to plant Mercy Hill Church um, about 11 years ago now. Wow, hard to believe 11 years. I know. Tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and, you know, kind of what led you to be a church planner, you and Anna. Me and Anna, yep. We have four kids now. We had uh, none when we went to Southeastern, but God providentially led us to just, you know, we were looking at going to Southern or Southeastern. We really want, we didn't know if we were going to go to the mission field, but we wanted to be around, you know, missionaries and church planners and uh, especially internationals, what we were thinking back then. And so we ended up choosing Southeastern really because we just we just really bought into the Great Commission classroom and all that kind of stuff. So uh, when we landed there, we landed at the Summit Church in Raleigh-Durham, and we're just really blessed there. The Summit at that time was, I don't know, it was probably running like 1,500, which, which was like 1,400 more than any church I'd ever really been a part right, of. I was right. kind of part of a small church world, and it was very um, – it was very overwhelming in a lot of ways, but but man, we just found a, a home there, and we found some things there in groups and you know elder model and just some of the things that we really grew to love. And part of that mission was you know they really were on mission to plant churches, and they were they had a they had a big desire for that. Pastor JD had really cast a vision for that, but they hadn't done it a lot yet. Um, they had sent a lot of international workers, but in terms of, of church planting, they hadn't really done a ton of that. And so we were just kind of in that. Uh, stream and ecosystem. And um, I remember the first time that one of the pastors who who ended up going to plant a church now in uh, Baltimore, but he was our missions guy at the time. And I remember the first time he asked me, man, what do you think about planting a church? I mean, I've been there for like six months. I'm like, I don't know, 23 years old. I don't know what I was, 24, 20, something like that. And 
he didn't know that I had a background with a church plant in Greenville, South Carolina, that our last year I had been working at a church plant. And um, this is so immature, but at that time I was like, man, and it had been a hard experience, like really hard. And I just had in my mind, I was like, man, I ain't going to plant a church. I came to seminary to pastor a real church, <laughs> you know, sort of what <laughs> I – real church. That's sort of – that's how immature I was. But, man, over the course of the next five years, I mean, I went from that level of immaturity to willing to leave a job that I loved at the summit, sell out every single thing, tap every relationship I'd ever had, raise up a team, raise money, and go plant a church in Greensboro. So – you know, we just really came to believe that church planning was God's plan A, and there's not really a plan B. And um, you know that if we're gonna if we're gonna see disciples made to the, end of the ends of the earth, it's gonna go on the backs of church planters. So we just bought we we drunk the Kool Aid, man. We bought all the way in. Yeah, well, and I'd say you know, eleven years later, I know that it's the sending that's your DNA, right? Yeah. You you want to grow, obviously. Uh, um, you know, healthy things grow. You want to grow, but you want to send. And you sent me a text recently um, that was probably one of the best texts I've gotten in like months. Tell our listeners about this interest meeting you were telling me about. Yeah. So, um, man, it's just truly a movement of what God has done in the triad. Um, and you're right. And this is, this is what we're going to hopefully talk about some today. It really is all connected. Like, man, the growing spills into going, spills over into going. And so for the last, man, three or four years, every year we have a church planter. And what I mean by that is not that we have a partnership planter, but it's a parent planter. I mean, we are. this is somebody coming up from within their house. Um, man, an elder, you know, not not necessarily even a staff member, but they're they're coming up from within, have been trained within, and then we equip them with some different trainings of different places and put a team with them and send them out. And so now we've done that five times from within. And so this year, though, we just sent our last one to, to Norfolk, Virginia, but this year's church planning team is actually going to South Asia. <laughs> It's the first time we've done this. Now, we've sent a lot of missionaries. Sure. You know, we have a huge goal. We have a big goal of sending 500 missionaries. By 2032, we've sent probably 170. Um, so we've sent people out, but this is the first time that we're raising a team up from within to go kind of together. Like, man, this family, he's an elder in our church. They're moving there. Now, that's going to look different. You know, they're doing church planning among unreached. We have a big goal of seeing 10 unreached, unengaged people groups come off the board in the next 10 years. Crazy. Wow. Um, and we're going to have to send dozens of people from our church to make that a reality. But the initial seeds of that is a team that's going of five, hmm. and they're going to go land um, in South Asia, a beautiful part of South Asia, but a very unreached part of South Asia. And so we cast the vision for the church, and I, I just said, man, we, you know, you, you know what we're about. I mean, we're about going to the hardest places the farthest away. And I had kind of the back of my head, you know, what if our largest church plant interest meeting in the history of our church um, was for the church that was going to the hardest, most unreached place, the farthest away? And I, honestly, it was double any other interest meeting we've ever had. I mean, wow. over 120 people were there from high school students to college students to retirees, the most untapped. Yep. It so I want awesome. to get this and make yeah. sure our listeners understand. You have an interest meeting for church planting in South Asia and over 120 members of your church showed up That's to right. come to that. That's right. And they were from every demographic you can think of in our church, people seriously considering what is it going to look like to go. And we really cast the vision, too. I had cast the vision in services. Man, bring your kids. Because we're talking about a 10-year vision in South Asia. And what that means is some of the kids that are going to go with our city project and going to go for two years with Journeyman or Baptist on College Mission or whatever. College students, those kind of things. Well, right. right now, they're playing Little League Baseball. Right. Because this is 10 years. I mean, we're talking about 10 years. Right. So right now, some of them are, are 10, 12 years old. 
and you know that's got to be all the way in at the ground level of our of our you know children and middle school ministries if we're going to really hit those goals because we're going to need to send dozens you know over there absolutely so wow that's incredible 120 people at an interest meeting to plant in South Asia Andrew you've known me for a long time a church planting movement ascending movement is the heartbeat of NC Baptist. That's what we want to see spread across the state and really to the ends of the earth. What do you think as a pastor, what needs to happen? Like if you're talking to another pastor, what needs to happen? Well, I think that there's a couple things that have to happen. I think one thing is that it's got to become part of the scorecard. You know, the scorecard can't just be that we grow big, but it's got to be that we send out. The way I say it at Mercy Hill a lot of times is that, you know, sending capacity is just as important as seating capacity. Now, I used to overstate that, um, and I would say sending capacity is more important than seating capacity. Here, I still overstate I know. that. Well, here, here's the problem with that. So let me just go ahead and tell you. Well, you Ooh, got, you got are we going to argue here? Two Let's problems, the Georgia thing and the—no, I'm yeah. just kidding. Um, yeah, I mean, the problem with that is if you overstate something enough, people begin to believe it. And if they really begin to believe it, it can undercut what you're trying to do. So, for example, let me give you an example. Um, I used to say all the time, what happens during the week is more important than what happens on the weekend. You probably still believe that. (laughs) And the problem with that is when people start to believe it, they end up undervaluing what happens on the weekend. I think the truth of the matter is what happens during the week is fueled by what happens on the weekend. Um, If Sunday's wrong, nothing else goes right. Mm -hmm. And what happens now, though, is that you say something long enough and what you end up having are younger people that have kind of bought into, we devalue the gathering because we're super into home group. And or, or whatever, or, or individual right. discipleship or, you know, evangelism during the week or whatever, not realizing that for, you know, thousands of years, it is the gathering of the saints under the preached word and worship that kind of fuels what we do during the week. So um, I do think that we have to have a shift in our mindset in terms of is sending capacity the chief end of the scorecard? I would absolutely agree with that. So maybe it is a little bit more important if it's the chief thing. See, I, I've already won this argument, yeah. and I haven't even said anything yet. But the problem, the problem with it is when we when we say it that way, you end up kind of undercutting yeah. what is the plain truth. And the plain truth is that if sending capacity is more important than seating capacity, that may be true. But for sending capacity, there is nothing more important than seating capacity. And that's really you know? what your conference yes. that you've got coming up, um, Mercy Hill, October 24th and 25th. New conference coming out. This is for everybody called Breaking Barriers. Talk through that a little bit. So the conference is born from enough anecdotal experiences now. And when I say when I say that, Todd, I mean like Baptist churches in North Carolina to the tune of like 10, 15, 20 now, where we have just seen very clearly that there are limiting beliefs that have soaked all the way in and have made people feel icky about church growth. Yep. And you just see it all the time. It's the pendulum swing. Yes. 90s church growth. We've moved to sending. We've moved to individual. We've moved to missional or whatever. That has gotten so far in that now I think people are kind of feeling a little bit like, man, can I voice out loud that we want to have more people here next year than we did this year? More money next year than we did this year? We want to see more first-time guests, more website views. Something about that conversation has gotten really muddled. And there's a big reaction against it. Man, I've, I'm just telling you, I see this all the time. I've been, you know, I've been to different conferences and I've, I've been invited into where sending is celebrated, growth is sort of demonized. Mm. I think it's a real problem, man. 
Because, I mean, think about it like this. Think about the um, example of, of generosity. Like, we live in a culture that simultaneously will celebrate generosity while demonizing business success. Right. <laughs> you know? I mean, when have you ever seen a movie where they, they pan to the C-suite and it's not something nefarious? Yeah. It's, it's very similar. It's like, man, we, we love the sending. We love talking about multiplying. We love talking about sending missionaries. But the second somebody steps in and says, like, hey, man, exactly how are you tracking your website views and what type of Facebook ads are you using? Dude, the reaction is crazy. Um, we put, like, the little video of what we're trying to do of our conference out. You should see the Facebook stuff that's come out. I mean, people just posting on it like, man, you're you're building a church, but it ain't Jesus' church. And yeah. this is all about growth. And it's just crazy. The right. second you start – so you're hitting a nerve. But what we've what we've seen now – and I can give you testimonials of this – Man, if you are conflicted at the very high-level belief of what you think about church growth, it will affect how you go after things. If you're not sure if what you're doing you should be doing or if you feel a little icky about it or you don't really want to talk about it out loud, it will absolutely affect how you run after it. And, you know, a few of the examples that I have, man, there's a church out in Western North Carolina. I mean, just getting around, we're doing some coaching with them. You guys are feeling some of that, like helping, helping us with some of that. And just getting them to kind of like start talking about these things out loud in a way that is not shame. Mm. Dude, it has, I mean, it has changed so much about their culture in terms of like, man, baptisms and excited about what's going on. I mean, not, you know, unashamedly. Another church... The brother called me. They're coming to the conference. I mean, called me basically, I mean, almost in tears, Todd. And it was like, man, I feel like I want the church to grow. I feel like it's necessary for sending, but I feel very conflicted at the very top level if I can say that, if I can talk to my elders about that. Right. So this conference is really trying to engage that and then obviously like fuel with very practical tools of, um, you know, how to actually – Reach people. Yeah, how right. to make that happen, man. Right. Let's try to have more people here next year than this year. Let's have a lot of them have no gospel fluency, you know, and then have people coming in from the outside. I often I say it this way, Andrew, is, um, you know, if you don't like church growth, you probably don't like the first eight chapters of Acts. Mm-hmm. Because not only does it highlight the growth, it actually gives you the numbers yeah. and celebrates that. Right. Um, I, you know, I, I like the Charles Spurgeon line that the only people who don't like numbers are the people who don't have any. Right. Um, and yeah. <laughs> leave it to him. Um, and, you, and I heard you make a really good point the other day, I thought, talking about the temple. What did I say? Remind me of you, you were talking about how the temple was set up to be yeah. a demonstration community. Yep. Which is true, you know, for people that can come in from the outside and look in and see. And I think what's happened to that pendulum, you know, and the pendulum swing. Yep. And this is this all we're doing is trying to catch the front end of it swinging back. I understand yep. that. It's nothing new. But, man, we've got to understand that – you know, churches are being made, in my opinion, they're being made to feel kind of guilty about what is a clear evangelism strategy in the New Testament. Right. What has happened is, if it's not personal one-on-one evangelism over coffee over years, it's discounted. Right. This is crazy to me. Okay, so here, here's what I hear. Man, you know, making an all call, having people come forward in a service, that's kind of now become like de- demonized a little bit. Like, man, it's just not – it's not as cool and not as not as authentic or real as I met you on the college campus and we formed a relationship over three years and we drank coffee together right. and then I finally shared the gospel. Right. That's That scene is authentic. The problem is that scenario never happened one time in the whole New Testament. Mm. This whole idea of like build a relationship with somebody so you can share the gospel with them, I'm like, man, I don't I don't know where that is. A lot of people had one-on-one, you know, gospel encounters. 
you know, Philippian jailer, you know, the Samaritan woman at the wall. That happened within the first three minutes. Yep. You see what I'm saying? So to me, we've just got this whole weird thing. I'm like, dude, okay, you go to any Baptist church in North Carolina, it's going to mirror what is the clear teaching and clear examples of the New Testament in this way. Any of them. I don't care if there's 100 people, 1,000 people. You say, hey, how many of you guys accepted Christ when there was a preacher and a crowd? 95% of the people in the room are going to raise their hand. And you know what's funny about that? It's the same numbers in the book of Acts, except it's probably more like 99.9 mm-hmm. when you think about how, who got saved and how they got saved in the book of Acts. Anointed preacher in a crowd raised my hand. Now, what's funny about that is I don't discount. I didn't get saved like that. I got saved under the leadership and guidance of my father sitting in his truck in a Winn-Dixie parking lot after a church league softball game. That's my Southern Baptist credentials. Yeah. Okay. You don't get no more Southern Baptist no, than you that, don't. Todd. All right. No. You have um, to throw in the Winn-Dixie grocery store. That's reference. right, dude. North Florida. Um, I got saved in a one-on-one setting. That's fine. But that's not any better. I hear this stuff from pastors like, and from like even some of the people on our own college team and stuff. That, it's like the person that got saved in a one-on-one evangelism by somebody who's not a pastor, it seemed like it celebrated more as a win than the person who was invited to come in and heard the gospel from a pastor and they raised their hand in a service. Yep. And I'm like, man, you know. Peter preached in Acts and 3,000 people came. Dude, we could, go, we could just yep, go like this. We go. Well, this you is know. Breaking Barriers Conference. Um, you told me it's breakinggrowthbarriers.com. Yeah, that's right. People can register and see Baptist um, can and, and many are. Uh, speaking of church planning and the concept of sending, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to listen to ways that you can help mobilize NC Baptist for missions and help plant churches throughout the work of Send NC. When you give to the North Carolina Missions Offering, you are helping church plants reach the lost around the state. There are millions living in North Carolina who still have not been reached with the gospel. Send NC helps churches plant churches that bring change and restore hope to unreached communities. In addition to supporting Baptist on Mission and associational missions, your gifts to NCMO help NC Baptists plant churches everywhere for everyone. Thank you for offering relief for today and hope for tomorrow. Give today at GiveNCMO.com. So grateful for the generosity of NC Baptist Churches. Send NC is helping churches plant churches across North Carolina, and the NC Missions offering is fueling this work. Again, if you'd like to give, visit GiveNCMO.com. All right, I want to just take a last couple minutes together, Andrew, and give listeners some very practical ways that they can um, pray and explore this idea of growing their church and sending Mm -hmm. to the nations and to their neighbors. Send and see is celebrating churches being launched continuously. Mm -hmm. What would you say to these church planters? Um, Take yourself back to 11 years and all this 11 years experience. What would you say to those church planters who are signing up now just to start this journey? One of the things I would tell them is, and you guys do a good job of this with trainings, and I hope they're sending churches doing a good job with this with training them, but man, they're walking into the fight. I mean, this is the fight. I mean, Satan wants this less. Just a fight, the fight. I mean, Satan wants, I mean, this this is the heart of Great Commission is multiplying churches you know, really to the ends of the earth. And it, it starts here and it spills over into the broad, you know. So 
Yeah, you, there's just a preparation that's got to come with that, a mental uh, preparation that's got to come with that. I think the other thing I would tell them is from the very beginning, do not take the bait of what our our current church kind of churchy kind of culture wants you to do and push you into a lane of either a growth church or ascending church. Mm-hmm. Um, don't take that bait. It's a false dichotomy. The way we say it is churches can grow without going, but they cannot go without growing. That's right. It can't. We got to hold these things together. And I think that the scorecard's got to reflect that. Yep. Man, what are we trying to do in terms of church growth and how does that spill over into sending and keeping those things together from the very beginning as you're casting vision? This is what we're trying to do. That's good. Well, um, how would you encourage a pastor? Because I'll be honest with you. Most pastors I meet, they'd like their church to grow. Like they're not going to say, no, we don't want to grow. They may not know really that next step and they might feel some of that shame. So how would you encourage a pastor who says, man, Pastor Andrew, I'm praying for church growth. What do I do now? Well, I think I don't want this to turn into like psycho babble, but I really believe this. Okay. You've got to get rid of that limiting belief. I mean, virtually every conference I've been to in the last 10 years has tried to implant in your brain. You know, a lot of literature that has been put about mission and all that has, has tried. And now we got you got to get that, rid of that limiting belief that something about your church growing is icky or that it has to, that if it's not growing by one-on-one evangelism that is not from you, that it's not authentic. We've just got to get rid of that stuff, man. The number one thing I would say is way up in the stratosphere to try to turn loose of that kind of narrative, get away from any shame around that. And man, be excited about getting after it. And then from there, you kind of have the freedom, I think, to start trying to get around tools um, and churches that are doing it well, like, like this conference or, or other things. Yep. You know? um, so well, I, I would say that. Breaking Barriers Conference, you can register breakinggrowthbarriers.com. Uh, Andrew, thanks again for joining us today, man. Uh, NC Baptist, I want to encourage you to head on over to breakinggrowthbarriers.com and register for that upcoming Breaking Barriers Conference. It's October 24th and 25th at Mercy Hill Church in Greensboro. Also because of the generosity of NC Baptist churches, church planning and revitalization resources and services are available to you. Simply visit ncbaptist.org or sendnc.org. We want to help equip your church to both grow and to send. And you can listen to more NC Baptist podcasts just like this one at ncbaptist.org forward slash podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Because of your generosity to NC Baptist, this podcast, along with other helpful resources, are made available for you. Learn more by visiting ncbaptist.org slash give.